what was really challenging in writing the book actually is because I started a deeper dive into my racial justice journey as a white person, examining my whiteness, understanding privilege and the systems, not just interpersonal, but institutional. I started doing that in 2013. When I was writing this book, like deeply in 2020, like I have a lot more knowledge and understanding and lived experience, but I had to go back and I had to tell stories about who I was then, not because I was talking about race in the book, but I had to show my ignorance and problematic white self in a way that doesn't perpetuate the problem. But also there were definitely ways I could have not told those stories to make myself look better. But like, no, I do believe in calling ourselves out because it's not that I'm a bad person. It's that I didn't know. And so like, if we can acknowledge when we know that we need to do better and then we can change it, it's modeling the possibility of like, okay, Maddie, if you all of a sudden are able to call me out or call yourself out, we have this understanding that like, we're not here for perfection. We're here for progress. Welcome to Cosmic Rx Radio, a podcast that gives you real-life tools of spiritual empowerment and pure hype. I'm your host and intuitive guide, Maddie Murphy. I'll be serving up your weekly energy readings, cosmic boss interviews, and astro inspiration. Are you ready to love yourself more, manifest your dream life, and own your magic? Let's jump in. Hi, baddies. So excited for today's episode. I am talking to one of our most recent Cosmic Boss grads, Sarah. Sarah just published her memoir, amongst other things that she has done, and it is really fantastic, and her story is so inspiring. We did want to give a quick heads up, though, to put a little content warning here for you. In talking about Sarah's life story, we do reference some things around sexual assault, Uh, We don't go very deep into it, but I just wanted to leave this here so you are fully aware of what we're talking about. That being said, if you do decide to listen, let us know what you think. We have a wonderful conversation around what it is to be a human, what it is to kind of go through life's unexpected twists and turns. We talk about everything from motherhood to learning about our whiteness. And of course, We chat a little bit at the end about Cosmic Boss. So if you're here, welcome. If you decide to pass, I support that. I see you. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, baddies. Welcome to a very special episode of Cosmic Rx Radio. We have one of our own baddies, Cosmic Bosses on the pod today, a living, breathing archetype of what I think it means to be a bad bitch with a good heart. Today, we have on Sarah Alvarado, who is a writer, speaker, and teacher who believes that the way to handle challenges in life and business is to show up authentic, bold, vulnerable, and always ready for fun. That's why I love her. As a fierce advocate for social justice, Sarah has published the Racial Justice Toolkit for Real Estate Professionals, a guide for change agents. And she is also the creator of the Conversation Challenge, helping white people talk about race. Oh, we need that so much. 
Through her speaking and workshops, Sarah creates awareness and inspires change with her straight talk and loving ways. Sarah built her real estate business into a successful brokerage with her husband, Carlos, who now leads the Alvarado Real Estate Group. But working in real estate and for racial equity led her to doing something even more amazing, which was co-creating Own It, Building Black Wealth, a groundbreaking initiative working towards eliminating substantial barriers to wealth and home ownership for Black and Brown families. She is named founder of Step Up, Equity Matters in the Workplace, Badger Rock Middle School, and Nuestro Mundo Community School. Sarah is a lover of love, spirit, dance, and adventure with the music turned all the way up. And she also enjoys family fun, traveling, challenging the status quo, and writing. And she is one of our most recent class of Cosmic Boss graduates and someone I deeply admire and hope to emulate on my life path. Welcome to the pod, Sarah. How the hell are we today? Woo-hoo! I am here and ready to go, fired up. We are fired up. Okay, before we get into anything, can you tell everyone your big three? Yeah, 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 yeah. Pisces, Sun, Gem, Rising, and Gemini, Moon. Lots of Gemini. Can we see? I is like born in her to challenge the status quo, write about it, be about it, share her unique voice. So you're a very busy lady at this moment in time. I know. I need to update my bio because I know. I'm also <laughs> the author of a new book. I was like, and then we're kind of burning in the lead here, but we're also having you come on and talk about that you are an author of a memoir. Let's start there. Let's see what the journey is. Tell us about your most recent project. So I have been dreaming of writing a book for a very, very long time. I'm 48, calling it as it is, just turned 48. And so probably early 20s, I was like, I want to be a writer, but I didn't really know how that looked exactly. Mm. Started writing a book and then I paused it. And in 2012, I started to think about it again. So I would say the last couple of years, I hit it really hard. It was the Mm. summer of 2020 when I was like, I gotta, I gotta do this. And actually it's, it was mostly something that I had been working on in the background. I have a lot going on. I do a lot. And my mom, (laughs) my mom has Alzheimer's. So I've been slowly, painfully watching her fade away. And then I was in a fire accident in the summer of 2019. And I'm fine, but recovering from a burn is pretty horrible. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh my gosh, like that could have been the end of me. That motivated me to like, okay, I really, really want to tell this specific story. And so I just wrote, I was like, this is what I got to do. Mm, okay. So first of all, I love how mutable you are with your Gemini Pi. Like you just do so much. And that's what I love about mutable signs, like shapeshifters, magic makers, not a one, right? Always a multi, multi-passionate, multi-hyphenate. But really sometimes it's interesting that life and the universe kind of show us like where to funnel the energy because there's so much potentiality there's so much creativity and then things happen and you're like oh this is like this is the most pressing thing i feel really called to do this and actually tell us about the plot twist when you started writing this book for the first time you ended up writing a different book i mean don't we have like eight books in us like (laughs) which one do you you start with And like this one doesn't really fit into the business model. When you look at all of the ways that people do business with thought leadership and content creation, you know, this is a really personal story. And I work in the real estate and racial justice world. So it would have made sense for me to write that book 
as it relates, it fits into my business. But I just, I wanted to tell the story. And again, sometimes you just got to follow what your heart is calling. Mm-hmm. And you said it was a, the thing that made you be like, okay, I should write a business and branding book because it's what you know, you know so much, it started coming out. But like this pull of dreaming in Spanish kept coming back to you. And so was it an astrological reading? Was like the thing that like sealed oh, the deal? Because tell me, you know I love a validating <laughs> astrology moment. Yeah, tell us about that. I follow Heidi Rose Robbins and mm. she offered this like career package with Ellen, one of the people that she works with, with this brilliant woman. And so the two of them, I did a reading with Heidi and then I did a follow-up with Ellen. And it was in that follow-up with Ellen where I was, you know, talking about the book that I was writing, et cetera. But I kept going back and at the very end, she was like, girl, this is not like, tell this, tell that story, get it out of you first. And she was so bold about it. And she was like, I'm just mirroring what you're saying. Like, I'm just pulling out what you're saying it. You're just scared to say it. You're in your own way. And so I'm just going to call it what it is. And the minute, like I have the goosebumps because the minute she said it, I was like, you're right. It doesn't make sense, but my life has never made sense. So why would I do something that's so heartfelt that makes sense and fits into a box. Like I don't do boxes. You really don't. And again, that's why I said, I love you. are just one of my favorite archetypes for this work, for being like the bad bitch with a good heart who doesn't fit in a box, who just does like, you know, like what your soul is being called to do. And I imagine during that time, if it was during 2020, the North node, our collective compass for understanding our highest soul's purpose was in Gemini. So there's probably like this like feeling for you, like understanding like, no, 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 there is a Gemini message here for me to share. And I'm sure she was like listening to you, looking at the astrology, but really just feeling your vibe of like, you know, because again, I think sometimes our brains want things to be like, so like logical or analytical. And you're like, you got to birth this thing right now. Yeah. Maddie, I also fell into the Geminis don't just do one thing. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'm a blogger because writing a book is hard. And like that takes so much. And I'm like instant gratification. And I want, you know, like, yeah, I can put out a lot, but like to take the time. And so she was like, yeah, but when you have so much Gemini, you can also, it's your job to pull in Sagittarius. And so like, you can't use your like Gemini excuse if this is really what your sole purpose is to, you know, if you're destined to write this story, you got to confront that because I was leaning too much into, oh, but I'm probably not the kind of person that can write a whole book. Right. The Gemini is like, oh, it's a blog post, like tweets, posts. But then she also is probably like, well, also, honey, your North Node's in Sagittarius. So not only do you to lean into it in this oh. lifetime, but that is your high. So you're going through your nodal opposition at the time, which is a time where we kind of understand like, the other energy of our signs, of our South Node, North Node. And, you know, your story is actually very dreamy in Spanish. I mean, just in the title, we might get a little glimpse. There is a sort of very North Node in Sag element to it. Travel, expanding your mind, going, you know, out of the comfort zone. So can you tell us a little bit about, obviously, you know, I know we have the book, like, like I know obviously that could be its own, like, seven hour podcast episode, but um, a little bit about, about your story that was like, Ooh, there's something here that I want to share. Yeah. So the North node and Sagittarius, I guess I just hadn't studied that. Like, I think sometimes we get stuck in our knowing what we know about our charts and there's so much more to know. So thank you for reminding me that my North node is in Sagittarius. (laughs) 
<laughs> Apparently I need to learn more about that. So, so yes. So basically what happened was in 1999, like December of 1999, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but the quick and dirty of it is I was in a real bad place. Like I had been using too many drugs and alcohol and booze for escape stuff and had also just gone through some sexual assault traumas and had just been raped. I was in a really bad place and I really wanted to heal. I really wanted to try and turn my life around and heal from substance abuse, alcohol, and some sexual trauma. So I went to Mexico by myself. It's December of 99. Everyone's freaking out about Y2K. What's going to happen on a beach in Mexico? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Do you, were you even, were you born? I was I was born, but thank you. No, I remember Y2K. It was a whole meltdown. I was in high school at the time, but I remember being like, we thought the world was going to end. And I like how you're like, you know yeah. what? I'm going to go to a beach in Mexico because what better to do? Okay. <laughs> right. Well, and I was in Wisconsin and it's like cold and I don't do winters very well. So I was like, all right, I'm out. So yeah, I was 24. And literally within a couple of months, I met Carlos and he owned a restaurant. And so I'm, I found some English speaking AA meetings. I was on a massive spiritual journey. I was reading the books. I was talking to God on a regular basis. Like I was like trying so hard. Poor little Sarah, little baby Sarah, just trying so hard to get healthy and not hate so much. Like I was, mm. you know, I hated men at that point. I was really angry. And Carlos is literally the kindest soul in the whole entire world. I actually thought he was gay when I first met him, which was like a bonus. Like, you know. Right. Let the guard down. Turns out he wasn't. <laughs> Turns out he wasn't. Turns out I got knocked Spoiler up. Alert. <laughs> Sarah got pregnant in Mexico. So then the story really turns into how to combine cultures and how to deal with different religions. I grew up Jewish and my dad's family is Catholic and Carlos's family is very Mexican Catholic. And there's language stuff. And there's just, there's a lot of combining of cultures and a lot of a lot of those stories are in it. And then also just what is life like when you are trying to be who you want to be and all of a sudden you find yourself in a completely different scenario. And that, that's the story I really wanted to tell. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I just want to, there's so much that I want to ask off of that. And I also have had the unique privilege of reading the book. So there's some like specific things that I want to ask you about, but I just want to mirror to you and really, first of all, beautiful way of describing all of that. <laughs> in, the, in the quick and dirty of it, you covered a lot. But I love that if I'm doing the math right, if this was like 99, 2000, I believe you'd be in your second Jupiter return. Like you were like 24, 25? I turned 25 in 2000, in March of 2000. So that was when Jupiter was in Aries. So you were going through a Jupiter return, which is a lot of expansion and kind of have you learned a lot about yourself spiritually, Jupiter is spirituality, Aries is independence, but it usually comes by going to our growth edge. Like in a way it's like, Ooh, that was a lot of expansion at once. And now with your book baby coming out, Jupiter is also in Aries and you know, you have, you have your Venus is in Aries and your, and your Chiron. So you have a lot of this Aries in your chart that is very much like you are here to learn about the value of being yourself, of taking this bold and radical adventurous path of learning about you and showing up really radically you in the world, even when your plans don't work out. But like, how do you keep showing up in that way? So I think it's beautiful that this happened 
during one of your Jupiter returns. And now you're getting to kind of like synthesize all of this lived wisdom and experienced wisdom, which is very Jupiter and like bring it out to people as a way of just sharing a story, but also bringing inspiration, bringing hope, bringing like faith into ourselves again, which is very much like the Jupiter path. So I just thought that was cool. I had to share it, like nerding out. No, totally. I nerd out, you know, all the time yeah. about this. Like, I know. Like it's like so crazy. Astrology. We're obsessed. It's just, it just speaks so beautifully. And, you know, in that, another thing that's in your chart, and this would probably be leading into your Saturn return, is obviously a little bit before it, but your Saturn is in Cancer, the sign of the mother the sign of learning about motherhood and sort of the structures and rethinking we have to do about life and, and taking you know, more accountability for ourselves and, and the lessons we learn about through this, for you, especially this sort of like embodied maternal archetype. And so what I really liked in the book was the way I've been someone like, you know, thinking about motherhood lately, like a little bit later than most people, but I'm finally like, I, I'm kind of ready to think about motherhood, but it's been people who have talked about motherhood and really raw and vulnerable ways that have actually made me feel more welcome. Because like, I don't think my Aww. idea of motherhood is, and I don't want to say it's not traditional, because what does that even mean? But hearing you talk about your early days of motherhood in this book was very validating to me, <laughs> because you're very honest about it. But clearly, like, it's obviously led you somewhere. And so could you talk a little bit about like, you know, as much as you can, just the Saturn and Cancer and like, learning about yourself through the framework of, of being a mother and maybe like, I just liked how you were very honest in the book about the transition from being yeah, solo, kind of free spirit party, party girl. girl. I knew how to party better than most people. Like I really that was it. That was my claim. And I was like, how do you do that? Like for life? It'll I'll die. I can't know how to do that. <laughs> but that was the hardest part. Cause I, I mean, like, and that's what I struggled with is like, I loved who I was as a party girl. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I hated myself that much, but I hated the behavior. Like I hated how the behaviors were impacting me. And then going into motherhood unexpectedly, like I wasn't ready. I didn't have, I was living in a studio apartment. I didn't have, I mean, I was like teaching English. I didn't have insurance. Like I had no business being pregnant and bringing a child into this world. But I gave it up to God. And I mean, like, I really was like, okay, God, like, I clearly don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And you do. So I'm just going to follow your lead. And I'm going to trust that like, this is what you want for me. And that you believe that I can be an amazing mom. And like, when you were talking about what is a traditional mom? Like there are messages pretty loud and clear about what traditional motherhood looks like. And it's very confining Mm -hmm. and it's not liberating for women because it is all about us being tied down in ways that are oppressive. I mean, I think. And so personally, because I maybe just like to challenge shit and I did not know how to challenge that at that time. Like I did not know how to listen to my own self. My mom was trying to help me. Like she was like, what do you think? You know, because I'd hear different pieces of advice, like, oh, do this, do that. And I'm like, just tell me what I don't, I don't know. And that really challenges you to be like, wait, you do know, but you have to get quiet. You have to trust yourself. And self-trust is also not taught, but you know, you hear people say, oh, mama knows best, et cetera. But really like doing that work And I was not born to be a stay-at-home mom. I'm not a domestic person, woman. Like, it's just like cooking, clean, like, no. So again, how do you be who you want to be in the world and mother 
in a way that your child will benefit because it's just such an amazing journey to witness these little humans like become who they're meant to be. It's like the best. It's the best. Mm, Oh, wow. I feel so much wisdom. I almost imagine like this sort of quantum present day you also part of the shepherding comforting process to that, you know, baby Sarah, just going to trust in this process. Yeah. Like on the other side, like it's really good. Like, and you figure it out. So just like keep going, right? Keep one foot in front of the other. I really feel that when you talk. And I like how so much about your book and your life, this word like trust keeps coming up, right? right? It's just like, okay, I'm just, I'm just trusting that. And to me, I think so much of your journey really beautifully models the Piscean like archetype and the Piscean path and, and the shadows of it too. Like the escapism of Pisces is very real. We must talk about because Pisces just feels so much. It feels so much of the world that if you really felt everything the world was feeling, you'd want to escape too. That's why Pisces is usually the sign of like, we have to look out for you know, wanting to leave our bodies or you know use drugs or alcohol as a way of escaping. But Pisces, when we can like sit in the space of, of learning how to like protect our energy and usually a lot of that comes from trusting ourselves, it becomes this beautiful path of just like synchronicities and non-linear and just following and trusting like this magical, mysterious ride. It's like, wow, I, I couldn't have dreamt this better, but it needs a lot of like, okay, like I'm just going to like loosen my grip and, and, and kind of let this boat or something like take me in these waters and just see where the, the ebb and flow of the tide wants me to go. Before we started the interview, I was asking you like, how are you doing with all this? Because you run so much and you're a mom and, and a book launch is a really big deal. And um, you said something, so I'll ask you again, so you can repeat it. But like, how are you doing with all of this? Because your answer was so Piscean to me. And I was like, that's good. That's a good gem. So yeah, in terms of this moment, how are we managing all of this? Yes, basically how I'm doing is it's a lot. And there are times where I feel like I need to know how to do it. And that's when I have to remind myself that actually I'm in co-creation. Like the universe is giving me the nuggets of like, if you didn't do this, or if you did like... And that is like the constant, which is what I talk about in the book. That's what I really want to embody. I really want to remember that like, as much as I think I'm in control, I'm totally not, but I can have so much fun in co-creation. Like literally my like spirit team and I, like we are hilarious. I really think we're hilarious. I think we should have our own show. <laughs> I bet I would watch that. Also like your spirit team, I feel like lightly gotten to dabble with them, just like reading for you or getting to know you and, and some of the hits that come through. But your energy is so mischievous and so humorous. I can only imagine like the way that you dialogue and communicate would absolutely reflect that. Um, there's definitely a lot of F-bombs with my, my yeah. angels and I. Like we, <laughs> there's a lot of reggaeton and like... <laughs> reggaeton and F-bombs. <laughs> it's work. <laughs> What does your shirt say today, by the way, for anyone who it can't read? Kindly fuck off. It's from Lady Laughs Comedy, which is like one of my favorite comedian like people to follow, Lady Laughs Comedy. Anyway, yeah, kindly fuck off. Like, yeah. you know, this world has got so much shit happening. Like, we really do need to be making massive change. And can we please do it with some love and kindness? Yeah. And I think that's what you model really beautifully. I love, like, I really do think one of the takeaways of your book is like, reading the stories, sharing your story, A, but also like life doesn't always, not always going to make sense. We're not going to have a perfect, you know, controlled plan. But like when you get an intuitive hit or a follow it or begin to understand like how do you cultivate that relationship 
with yourself? How do you step into co-creation? And then from there, it is, it's trust and magic. And even when shit's hard, there's sort of this element of like, I know I'm protected. I know I'm divinely directed. So let me just keep saying yes, right? And then so this actually, your experience that you write about in Dreaming in Spanish, that's what led you into this next kind of part of your life with Carlos. Like I know you've talked about being a white woman married to like a Mexican man made you start thinking about race. Is that sort of like the backstory? I was raised a feminist, both my parents, I would say my dad and my mom. And it's really nice to have a male figure who is a strong feminist in many ways too, because I don't think that's very common. And I was raised to be colorblind because I was raised in the 80s. So it was a lot about we don't talk about that. And so I had diverse friends growing up, but I didn't understand. No one taught. And still, a lot of people don't teach in Florida. They're trying not to, you know. So the concept of what systems of oppression are and what white privilege is and what racial justice is like, just not topics that were on the table at all. But I was definitely raised to know that I could love anyone. It didn't matter their religion, which my parents broke that open. And it didn't matter their race or ethnicity. And then, you know, when Carlos and I fell in love, my parents met him 10 days or my dad, sorry, my dad met him 10 days before the wedding. My mom had come to Mexico to visit over a weekend. So she had met him and I'd you know, been sending letters, et cetera. But obviously it was a shocker to, you know, have a, what do you call those? The shotgun wedding? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know where that came from. It's dumb. I know. And I was dumb. We need to reframe, <laughs> rebrand. <laughs> But yeah, I was pregnant walking down the aisle. So for them to meet him, you know, 10 days before and open arms, you know, like they also trusted me and they trusted my journey. And that was huge. So what was really challenging in writing the book actually is because I started a deeper dive into my racial justice journey as a white person, examining my whiteness, understanding privilege and the systems, not just interpersonal, but institutional I started doing that in 2013 when I was writing this book, like deeply in 2020, like I have a lot more knowledge and understanding and lived experience, but I had to go back and I had to tell stories about who I was then, not because I was talking about race in the book, because that's actually not the story of the book, but I had to show my ignorant and problematic white self Mm. in a way that doesn't perpetuate the problem, but also there were definitely ways I could have not told those stories to make myself look better. Just smoothed over those parts. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not talk about that. Really, Sarah, did you actually say that? (laughs) Put that in there. But like, no, I do believe in calling ourselves out because it's not that I'm a bad person. It's that I didn't know. And so like, if we can acknowledge when we know that we need to do better and then we can change it, it's modeling the possibility of like, okay, Maddie, if you all of a sudden are able to call me out or call yourself out, we have this understanding that like, we're not here for perfection. We're here for progress. Yes, that is so important. And I really appreciate you going through that. And, and that's obviously very confronting and writing a book like that. And again, it's like 20 years ago, you're like, there's so much I didn't know then, obviously, especially like, even over the past few years, like everything's been sped up quantum speed. And obviously, you dedicate a lot of your life to this work now. So it's like, funny to look back on 20 years ago, any of us, there's like, oh, and there is the choice to like, I could just edit that, edit by omission, just gloss over. But I think owning that, and I love that like, own it is like one of your <laughs> business <laughs> but like, there's also like owning it, just owning like, yeah. 
I made some mistakes, but again, like there was the intention impact obviously like, is a thing, but again, honoring the messiness of being a human helps model like your growth now and invites in a larger conversation of like, it's okay that you did. It's okay that that happened 20 years ago. Like, cause now you're knowing better, you're doing better. And like, I think that's again, something I really would love to see in leadership more. Right. I feel like it's just so like one way or the other, like cancel culture, you do something and mess up. And I think a lot of people, I think of Gemini information, how it's manifesting now is I think that there's either people who, who have the mic who shouldn't. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. And then there's people who are just like, I think have beautiful things to say, but they are worried about just like saying or doing the wrong things or putting themselves out there. And then it's like, well, it's, it's a, it's an arena to enter. And so I like how you just sort of with like, yeah, it was like Gemini, Pisces, but some of that Aries energy that's just like, here I am everything like, right. Like my bullshit and my beauty, my magic and my messiness. And just like, here it is. And like, learn from it, talk about it, let it like inspire or spark something in you. And I, I really appreciate like your decision to do that, but I also honor that it would be easier. <laughs> Easy doesn't make change. Easy is, yeah. I, yeah, I just don't, I don't have a lot of tolerance for easy. For me, it goes back to self-trust and loving yourself because it's really hard to put yourself out there if you're needing people to love you because you don't love yourself enough. Or if you're needing to be accepted by people because you don't accept yourself. So me knowing this comes from my mom. So like talking about learning how to mother differently, my mom loved me so hard, like a hundred percent believed in me, trusted me to go. She knew that I was an alcoholic before I did. And she was there to support me, not to shame me, not to blame me, not to put any guilt on me ever. So to grow up with that, I literally do have built-in confidence that I think a lot of women don't have because we are shamed and blamed and made to feel small. And like, so like knowing that that's how a lot of people are raised, I have a lot of empathy and I can see that softness. And it's not about learning how to be bolder first. It's learning how to love and trust ourselves first Mm -hmm. so that when we are bold and we fuck up, we're not going to hate ourselves. This thing of like, I messed up. I'm a bad person. Those two go hand in hand too often. I messed up because I'm human. And now how am I going to repair it? Because I believe I have the ability to repair my mistakes. Not because I'm like, oh my God, now I screwed up. I'm never saying anything yet. I can't tell you how many white women I've talked to are like, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Teach me what to say. No, I'm not teaching you what to say. You need to learn how to be in your skin so that you can feel okay when you say the wrong thing. Yeah. You have to prepare for making mistakes. Yeah. You have to, because you're going to, especially if you're doing anything worthwhile. That's what I love with this book was nudging you. It was pushing, it was moving through you. There was something like bigger than you. If you had left that out, I feel like it would have been like, eating a meal, but not being satiated and like, that wasn't it. Like that wasn't the thing that was trying to move through you. But by you showing up in that way, it's also like, that was the thing, the worthwhile thing to do that, that was worth it is to, is to share your story, but really fully to then, you know, inspire someone else to be able to do the same thing or just see themselves in you. Right. Like Sarah, someone I admire, someone who is, I think doing great work in this space, but like, 
she's a human. Like she's a human, right? Like you don't just like come. I think it's so easy for us to compare the beginning stages yeah. of the journey to someone like you who has the, you know, you're the founder of these organizations. You have this, these things written about you on the internet. It's easy to be like, Oh, well, like I, I don't know how to even get there. And in this book, you're kind of showing, you're like, you just get there one messy step at a time, but mm-hmm. you love yourself. You listen to yourself. You have like self-compassion, self-forgiveness. And I like this thing about like loving yourself in a way in which you don't need that, that external validation. Cause I think when we're constantly looking for that, there's, there's no way we're ever getting that from the world in the way we need. And it, it's never a clear story because like, who am I trying to get this approval from? How, how much do I need of it? Like it kind of keeps you in this really like locked in small place. So I, I really appreciate that, that you model that through your book, but just through your life. Yes. And Maddie, like, when bad reviews come into my book, I might not be okay. <laughs> okay. I do kind of want some validation because yes. I'm human. And I was like, I told my girlfriend, I was like, can you mother me? Because I would be calling my mom right now and she would be telling me how proud she is of me and she can't. So can you please take that? That's a great distinction. There's like external validation. And then there's also just feeling appreciated and like feeling like, okay, yeah, like I don't need you know, someone to review my book to validate my whole life's existence. But first of all, my sensitive little Virgo Pisces soul is also like, give me feedback, be nice, like be nice. I just, also for you, you're like, I just cut open my chest and put my heart into a book. So like, please just like be gentle. Like this wasn't like, yeah, like five ways to sell houses. This is like my life story <laughs> and work here. So just be gentle. But, and I will say for you, what I like about that is we all have these parts in our chart, even if we're private, even if we are completely self-sustained, self-resourced, we all have things in our chart that model for us that we do have a certain part of us that wants to be witnessed and appreciated for our work and especially like our offerings to the world. And for you, you have your Mars is right on your midheaven line in Aquarius. And that's a very public part of you. And for you, it's like doing things for your community and doing things to push us forward and doing things to show us a new radical way of being by owning your most like unique and quirky and eccentric and just you version of you is part of how, how you want to be seen on that larger like world stage. And it's not like, it's not like we said the external validation thing. It's just, we all have this like tender little part of our hearts. That's like, Hey, does it, do people see me and like for what I'm doing? And like, does this feel good? So I think again, with your Aquarius energy, I was looking at you, I had like on your Instagram for your birthday, you had your local cool bookshop, you had like your book in the window and the people hyping you up on social. And I'm like, okay, there she goes, like her Aquarian, like full Aquarian self being celebrated in this Aquarian way in your community. But I do think it's important to do that. And also like, well, we can talk about it in a second, but the vulnerability of writing a memoir is something I, can, I can't even, I'm not even in a place right now to imagine doing that because that is so vulnerable to me. So I imagine those reviews coming in, there is an extra element of like, this is like my story. It's from a very deep place, right? So yeah. I think that's it's completely understandable to like, and, and if anyone also writes a bad review, I will hunt them down and, you know. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. If everyone liked it, it would be weird. Like it is art, right? And like, it is not for everyone. So I'm actually, I do have a writer's work hat that I wear very often. And I loved the editing process. I have no problem editing stuff out. I love creating a story for the reader too. But 
if there's only positive reviews, then really you just your friends aren't reading it. So when you get to the point where you're getting some negative reviews, that means it's actually getting out into the world. It's more. in the wild. It's in the wild. That's yeah. a great way of looking that at means, it. Like, of course, like, of course, it's not for everybody. That would be so I am so not for everyone, like literally. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that. Again, a nice little insight into the process. So in terms of like, you know, as we sort of wrap up thinking about like this concept of stories and like how important they are, not just for the world, but for our own healing journey. Was there anything that surprised you about the writing process for yourself? Like healing moments, moments of clarification, catharsis, like something that you just didn't really expect when you started to put, you know, pen to paper, if you will. Yeah, I guess I didn't expect the telling of the, well, I didn't expect the whiteness to come up as much as it did as I told it or as I was writing it. But one of the things that kind of set me, I, I'm not going to say set me back because it was exactly where I needed to be, but there was definitely one part where I had experienced a sexual assault and the way I wrote about it in one of the drafts, you know, it got like four sentences, whereas the rape got like a chapter. And one of the beta readers really kindly noted something like, this seems like it was a lot worse than maybe it is on paper. I don't know how, I don't know how she wrote it, but it was enough for me to be like, huh, wait, what? And I, I just went back to my therapist's office and we worked through some stuff that I didn't expect. I wasn't anticipating. I, you know, the healing, it's a reminder that the healing journey is forever and we're healed enough to get through the day but that doesn't mean that it's not going to come back again to help us get through the life, you know, our lifetime, the lifetime of healing. So that was obviously a surprise. Yes. Okay. Because we do that like tough girl. Well, I do the tough girl. Like I'm like, I got this. Like, and, and I tell that in the book too, just in terms of, you know, I compartmentalize like a bitch, like I'm really good mm-hmm. at that shit. Like, and when is it not serving me? And that's the question my mom would always ask me, like, is this serving you? And there's a wow. lot of times when... I'm like, actually, no, it's not whether it's bitching about something for too long. And she's like, how is this serving you, Sarah? And I'll be like, um, um. it's like, well, it's serving me for a little bit, but yeah, you're right. Now it's not anymore. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's not serving me anymore. But yeah, like even in the bigger things, like how is this serving me? Where, where can I benefit? Where can I grow from this? Where can I make it more accessible for other people? Like being able to, I, I mean, you look at the sexual assault statistics and like, there's not enough stories because nobody wants to tell them. And especially like I didn't call the cops. There was a moment I was close and there's a lot of shame around that. And yet I know that there's a lot of women who don't report it because of all of these things. And it's not simple. It's complicated. It's layered. It takes time to even unpack. So I I just wanted to share my piece of it in case it connects with other women who have had similar experiences. Yes, I love that. And like, I don't love that, but I love the thing of like the telling the stories. I think there's always been these things in my life, these moments or these larger things that feel so big and shameful. And they kind of like put up this like cloak or this wall between me and like society and people as I know it. And then I hear a story shared, right, in a book or on a podcast with a friend and it like dissolves that. And you're like, oh. I'm not the only one who has that thought, experience, feeling, belief, and it just like melts us back in, into one. And I think about, there's that quote, like, existence is resistance and storytelling is the number one act of like 
revolutionary love or something. I'm, I'm probably, you know, I didn't like have it pulled up. I was not think about it until you were talking, but that sounds good enough. But like, it's so true. And I think these stories from different perspectives are so important. And that's why like, again, like the memoir as a form of storytelling, I think is, is so important. So what would you say if there's someone out there who like you, maybe is doing something and their quote unquote career path, life path is like in one direction and they want to write a memoir or a book that feels like it's like a 180 or it feels like to your point, like what does this have to do with anything? What would you say to them? What would you say to someone who's like, I have this like, right? This like niggling feeling to like, I want to share my story, but who cares? Why? How would I get started? What does it have to do with anything else I'm doing? I mean, I'm a firm believer in follow your dreams and follow the voice. And if it keeps calling to you, it's calling to you for a reason. And you don't have to figure it out. Like this is what I tell myself all the time, because I like to figure things out. Like I like it to make sense. I've got spreadsheets. Like I am a business, like (laughs) I love business strategizing and goal plan. Like, yeah. So that's really what has supported me the most is stop trying to figure it out. Even after the fire, that was another, like, I didn't, why did this happen? No, Sarah, it doesn't matter. You don't need to figure it out. You be with it. You learn from it. You grow from it. You love yourself in it. And so like, I love turning this jealousy thing around. So like, if I'm jealous of someone, it's a message from my angels, like, Hey, that's what you want. That's what you get. And whatever you want is for you right? Like you wouldn't want something like I've never wanted to cook amazing meals, like, because it's like not in my, I don't know, like wheelhouse. So it's like, I've never been jealous of people who like cook amazing. I've just never had that jealousy, but I have jealousy of like writers and speakers. So that is actually a message for me to follow. I fucking love that because it ties it all together so beautifully too, with just like these things that we think are uncomfortable, like jealousy or envy, like these are you know, they're, they're triggering us in a good way to show us like what we really desire and that which we desire desires us. So if you're having this feeling, if it's like when you wake up, you're thinking about it, you're driving around, you're in the shower, you're at the bank teller line, if people still do that. Like, and you're thinking about this <laughs> book and this story, then it wants to move through you. So begin that process, that dance of that, that co-creation. And also like what I hear in you is like, let it be fun. Like there's something in you when you talk that's so inspiring to me because it's like your Gemini moon is just like fun. Like there's something about it. Like let it be fun. Even just enjoy, pull on the next thread and just see like, have fun with it. Even the unknowns, right? Because it's so easy to get so lost in the sauce and have to how and how's this going to work? And how am I going to do it? But that's what I feel off of you when you talk is there's this sort of this, this playfulness and this lightheartedness that's really healing and alchemizing. Yeah. I mean, that's just not taking it so seriously. Don't take your life so seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. Like, I feel like the universe is gonna, the universe can be fun to play with if you want it to be fun. If you want to be serious and that's your, that's your jam, then like, you know, be serious, but just do you. Just do you. Right. If that's your jam, that feels good. Like, go for it. Yeah, do it. It's not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever like walked by, like, I don't know, I was at the, I was walking at the, through the University of Wisconsin recently and there was music in this one room and there was people sitting there and the music was playing and there were people who were just sitting there. And I was like, how are you not physically moving? Yeah. Yes. Like, yes, I just yes. don't. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. So as we wrap up, thank you so much for, you know, just the time and 
if people now, as they should be, are chomping at the bit to get their hands on a copy of Dreaming in Spanish, hello, this book is so gorgeous. And like, you will laugh, you'll cry. It is literally like the self-help book for people who don't like self-help books. That's how I, when I was done reading it, I was like, that was a journey and I learned so much, but the story of it and there's F-bombs and there's tequila shots and like, it, it's such a good time. So how and where can people find this? Well, we'll throw some links into the places, right? But it's definitely on Amazon. It's on Bookshop, which is like Amazon, but supports your local bookstores, independent bookstores. And then in my website, there's a link and you can find all of the links if you prefer ebook versus the real book, which I have to say is really soft and lovely. So I'm a big It's like fan. matte. Yeah. It's like, look, I guess I want to rub it. And also everyone yes. who buys a book, please leave a review, especially on Amazon. <laughs> it's very important. And listen, you can be honest, but be like compassionate and kind. And I know you're going to be like so lit up. So let's go hype up our Aquarius. Hype me up, and Aquarius. Hype her up, hype her up. And anything else? if someone wants to find you or tag you. like I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. Um, I do a lot of the racial justice and real estate work on LinkedIn. And I'm not really on Twitter. Okay. So go find her, especially if you want to read her book, or if you're someone who wants to learn more about real estate and racial justice, like Sarah is just an amazing- That's the next book, Maddie. That's the next book. I knew there was a next book. It was like, well, this one got birthed out of you. Now you're like, okay, now now I have like like the queue. The queue is open, right? It's like everything got flushed out. And you're like, okay, now I and like you birthed. Now you're like, okay, breastfeeding the baby book. And now I can like think about the next baby. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. And I do think there's a place for more storytelling. Like this is not going to be a business book about, you know, racial justice. It's really going to be my stories as I came to terms with some ugly stuff. And then also being able to see within my industry how much is problematic and facing that stuff. So I'm gonna, I think I'm going to keep on going the memoir track for a little bit. I'm obsessed with that. And we will have you back on this pod when that comes out. So <laughs> in the meantime, everyone, go follow Sarah. Go buy her book. Go write a review. Go hype her up, especially if you got something, a little pearl of juicy wisdom from this episode. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Sarah, for sharing your Piscean wisdom. Can I shout out Cosmic Boss? Yes, honey, of course. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm a Cosmic Boss baddie bitch. I don't know what we call ourselves, but (laughs) it's this six-month program. And that, again, was one of those things where I had, for some reason, I hadn't been listening to your podcast for a couple of months. And then I jumped into one because I'm a massive, I love your podcast so much. The information that you give is phenomenal. The community that you've created is phenomenal. The magic and the spice that you have, like it's the perfect platform for like making what you want to have happen, happen in co-creation. Oh, no, thank you. And I receive all that and it is the community and watching like you and the other bosses like connect and hype each other up and like just chime in. It, it's, it makes me like I'm proud mom energy in there. I'm like, look at everyone doing their thing. Yeah. You're doing that thing where you're like every, the community, no Maddie, you're the way you <laughs> lead it though. Like you, I'm obsessed with you in the good oh way. Like, you're not on a pedestal, but like yeah. fucking magic is what you are, Maddie. Okay, well, now I'm crying. What a great way to start the week. I love you. I am so deeply honored to get to walk this path with you. And watching you bring this book out has just inspired so much in me and everyone else. So thank you for really walking in your truth. And I love you, Sarah. This is so beautiful. I love you too. Thank you, Han. 
Do you love getting your Cosmic RX for the week here and want more? Make sure to sign up for our premium subscription so you can get exclusive access to bonus podcast episodes, all of my astrology info for the month ahead, and live new and full moon calls to help you manifest your dream life with an intentional international community of other cosmic baddies. Sign up through our link in show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about Cosmic Rx, head on over to thecosmicrx.com. And if you really love this show, I'd love it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I super love hearing from you and reading your reviews. All right, you cosmic baddie, tune in next week. And until then, remember, love yourself fully, work your magic, and take no shit.